Psalm 118, verse 24. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. For the Lord is our God. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Great words from the psalmist. Welcome this morning to Palm Sunday. And uh, let me highlight a couple of announcements. And you'll notice in your calendar, this is going to be a busy week. Uh, Right after the morning worship service, we would like, if you could, we're going to move over to the disciples, the the fellowship hall next door, and we have some eggs that need to be stuffed for our Easter egg hunt. And not too many. It won't take long, about 15 or 20 minutes, I think. We only have about 5,000, so it should go pretty quick. (laughs) No, we don't have that many. But if you could help us out for maybe 20 or 30 minutes after the service, we would greatly appreciate that. Wednesday is lunch with the staff. Once a month, we invite you to come and enjoy lunch with us in the fellowship hall. Bring your lunch and join us at 1130. Then on Friday is our Good Friday service. It'll be here in the sanctuary at 630. From 630 to 730, we'll have communion. We'll have some great hymns and uh, devotional and a time of prayer for Good Friday. And then Saturday morning at 11 o'clock is our Easter egg hunt from 11 o'clock until 1 o'clock, and then our Easter Sunday next Sunday morning. Now I'm going to ask Doug if he'll come. He's going to share a little bit about our Easter offering this year. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Doug Struve. I'm with the Global Outreach Ministry team, and I've been given uh, a minute or two just uh, to talk about our Easter offering this year. And, uh, you know, when the war broke out in the Ukraine, it seemed natural that the park, through the Global Outreach Ministry team, would uh, find a way to help out and support the Ukrainian people through our Easter offering. So that's what we're going to be doing this year. And the organization that we've uh, selected that's going to be our vehicle to help the Ukrainian people is going to be an organization called the Ukrainian Baptist Theological Seminary. And we found out about this ministry through uh, a ministry that we've been supporting at the park for a number of years called Multiplication Network Ministries, who happens to have an affiliation or a uh, partnership with the Ukrainian Baptist Theological Seminary. So it seemed natural if we were going to support the people in Ukraine that we would do it through an organization that has this affiliation that we've been supporting for for many years. It just seemed like sort of a natural connection there. And uh, as you know, there's just tremendous, horrific uh, atrocities going on over in the Ukraine. 
and there's been a, just a wave of people that have been um, leaving Ukraine, crossing into the borders of other countries. And what the uh, Ukrainian Baptist Theological Seminary has been doing is they've been helping these refugees. And uh, they've been helping these refugees through basic humanitarian needs, needs that we take for granted, such as uh, having warm meals and hot showers and uh, medical care and, and getting medicine and all those things that, again, that we take for granted and that these people that are fleeing their, their homeland, fleeing their country, uh, with really nothing but the, you know, the shirts on their backs, really nothing, that, that, that they're not able to, to do these basic things for themselves. So 100% of the offerings uh, going to this uh, very worthwhile organization. We usually split it up 50-50 between an international ministry and a, and a local ministry. We're not going to do that this year. We're going to kind of break the mold, and all of our support's going to go to uh, this organization. And uh, the need is great. So um, let's try to be generous this year to support this organization. Thank you for your time. Uh, one last announcement. Our uh, men's Friday morning Bible study has just begun a new series on uh, Paul, the man in the ministry. And it's uh, being uh, conducted by Jack Van Vessem, who a lot of you all know. Uh, and we've also opened it up for the next few sessions uh, to not just the men, but we're asking the women if they would like to join us as well. Uh, this last session we started off, we took a, a little brief, quick look at some of the geography of the area. And then this Friday morning, uh, we will begin looking at Paul. We'll start with his life in Tarsus, what all that entailed, and then we will be moving forward from there. So if you would like to join us, uh, it's, uh, uh, you know, Get up, take your time, have a nice breakfast, a long leisurely coffee, and then right sharp at 6.30, uh, we'll, we'll begin. So uh, it's online on Zoom, and you'll find the link in the, the weekly email that gets sent out. If you're not getting those emails, uh, let somebody on the church staff know, and we'll, we'll get you on there. We have a wonderful service today planned. If y'all come in a little early and y'all hear the choir practice, y'all know that we have some wonderful, meaningful songs to sing and to play for today. And so let us worship the Lord. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we're so thankful that we have this opportunity to meet here and worship you. And as we worship you in songs and hymns, spiritual songs, and your word, we ask that you be here with us and to bless us, each of us, as we worship you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let us stand to sing our call to worship, but do keep an eye out for crowds of palm-waving children. Thou David's royal son. 
Please join me in reading from the book of Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9. At this point, the people of Israel have come back to the land from their captivity in Babylon, and Zechariah is foretelling the coming of the king. Please read these words with me, verse 9. Rejoice, O daughter, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation. Gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. May God bless the reading of his word. we go to the Lord in our prayers. We want to remember Larry Ingram is at Baylor Rehab. Uh, remember Joan Williams' husband Richard is home on hospice. We want to remember our members who are in our uh, senior living facilities, Flo Smith, Winona Anderson, Lorraine Bellringer, and Tony Myrick. And our homebound members are Dudley Perry, Cindy Bill Meyer, and Bill Guzzi. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, on this Palm Sunday, we gather here to celebrate Christ, our King. You have established Christ as King of the nations. His throne endures forever and ever. His kingdom is from sea to sea. And one day he will return and he will rule over the nations. And Father, today we gather to sing Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And we know, Father, that one day, People of every race, every nation, every language will bow and worship him. And Father, may we live in light that that day could come any time. This morning, Father, we pray that we might be humble, that we might humble ourselves to your undeserving salvation. Father, we do want to pray for each one of those that we mentioned this morning. Uh, you know their need and their uh, the, the situation that they're in and and Father, we pray that you'll give, give the doctors the skill and the wisdom uh, 
to bring about a full and complete healing and recovery. Father, we pray for the men and women who serve in our military. We're thankful for their commitment to our country and to freedom. Today we pray for Omar Silva, Sean Carnes, Colin Graves, Abner Mauricio, Tyler McCarty Cogis, Joshua Davis, Nathan Hayes, Colby Hayes, Devin Guzman, Matilda Pritchett, and Jason Maxey. And Father, we pray for all the men and women who serve as firefighters, police officers, first responders who risk their lives to make our communities a safer place. We pray for the people of Ukraine. Father, we pray that, uh, Lord, you will especially provide and protect them and our brothers and sisters in Christ. Provide their needs, Father. And pray, Father, also for our students as they return to school this week. We pray, Father, for your blessing on them. And, Father, we pray today that our worship would be honoring to you. You created us in your image and in your likeness. And you love us with an everlasting love. And, Father, we thank you for the salvation you so freely give us. And, Father, as we await our Lord's soon coming again, we pray that you would receive this, our worship, to you. And we ask all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
salvation and as we partake of the bread and the cup today we are reminded that only one person has gone to the cross died for our sins and risen from the grave and that person is Jesus Christ from Acts 4 <clears throat> chapter 4 verse 12 uh, and there is there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given amongst men by which we must be saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today with hearts of gratitude for the amazing love that you demonstrated for us through the sacrifice of your son Jesus. By allowing him to die on the cross as a sacrifice for the sins of the world for all time, you can now look upon those who believe and call us your children. We eagerly await the time when Jesus comes back to claim his bride and when we will be like him. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.
Do you feel the world is broken? Do you feel the shadows deepen? But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made new? We do. Is all creation groaning? It is. Is a new creation coming? It is. Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? It is. Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It is. the grave. He is David's root and the Lord who died to ransom the slave. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of our blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy of Father truly love us. He does. Does the Spirit move among us? He does. And does Jesus our Messiah hold forever those He loves? He does. Does our God intend to dwell again with us? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, who conquered the grave, he stayed in truth and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave from every people and tribe. He has made us a kingdom, a priest to God, to reign with the Son. Is He worthy? Is He worthy of all blessings and honor and glory? Is He worthy? Is He worthy? Is He worthy?
sing together, Worthy is the Lamb. <coughs> as recorded in Luke 6, 37 and 38. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you seal the scripture that I just read in our hearts and minds. You have blessed us so much, and you ask for so little in return. Help us remember that all we have is from you, and that it all belongs to you. Help us remember that what we give back to you will be returned many times back through your blessings. I ask for all your blessing on the tithes and offerings that we receive today. Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11. Mark, chapter 11, and we'll begin at verse number 1. It's page 717 in the Pew Bible. If you'd like to follow along in the Pew Bible, 717. We've been working our way through the Gospel of Mark, and it was my hope that we would, we would land here on the triumphal entry on this day. We actually missed it by a couple Sundays. We're going to have to, after Easter, we'll have to backtrack into chapter 10 a little bit, but we were close, almost made it. But we're going to look at Mark chapter 11, beginning at verse number 1, and we're going to look at Mark's recording of the triumphal entry of Christ. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? You tell him, The Lord needs it, and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt tied outside the street, tied to a doorway. As they untied it, some standing uh, people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? And they answered, As Jesus had told them to. And the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. And many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches as they had cut in the fields. Those who had went ahead of him also, and those who followed, began to shout, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered Jerusalem, and he went to the temple. He looked around at everything. But since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Let's pray. Father, as we embark on this understanding of Palm Sunday and the significance of this day, I pray our hearts will be receptive. Enlighten us into who Jesus really is and what he is doing, coming into Jerusalem in such an unconventional manner. Help us to grasp what this is really all about. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I think... I think most everybody likes a parade. You know, every, every year, tens of thousands of people line city streets and big cities and small towns because they want to watch a parade. Sometimes it's a holiday like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, and sometimes it's just a small town team that has won a championship. But people love to gather for a parade. But you know... Parades require a great deal of planning and preparation in order to go smoothly. Well, this morning we're going to look at this parade, which appears to be rather spontaneous. But in reality, it was planned and it was organized at the very beginning of time. And that is because this moment is a strategic moment in God's plan of redemption. And because it it is a strategic moment in God's plan of redemption, 
It is a strategic moment in our lives. And so this morning, I want to look at what, uh, what, in what way is Palm Sunday a strategic moment in our lives this day? It is a strategic moment. This is, this is more than just pomp and, and, um, and uh, pageantry and, and praise. This is a key moment in Jesus' ministry. He is going to do something he's never done before. He is going to declare about himself things he's never declared and never revealed before. And we're going to look at three of them. He's going to declare that he is the Messiah King in his entry. He's going to declare that he is the Savior King by his entrance. And he's going to declare that he is the coming King by his entrance. So get that. He is the Messiah King. He is the, com- uh, the Savior King. And he is the coming King. All right, let's look first of all. Jesus is going to reveal himself that he is the Messiah King. Now, Messiah, by that I mean that he is the, he is the divine, the eternal, he is the majestic Son of God. He is the Messiah, the King. The one that the Old Testament spoke of from the very beginning all the way through the prophets. Now, we have to understand, up until now, up until this moment, Jesus has been very low-key about who he is and why he has come. And that's because he doesn't want to force the hand of the religious leaders. He doesn't want to back them into a corner where they have to take some kind of serious action against him because he needs more time and he needs more space to complete the ministry that he has come to do. In fact, Jesus, on a number of occasions, made the statement. He said, my hour has not yet come. There's more work to be done. But on Palm Sunday, that all changes. On this day, Jesus is going to publicly declare who he is. He's going to go on the record and announce himself by his entrance that he is the Messiah King. And on this day, it begins as Jesus tells two of his disciples, I want you to go into town with these instructions. You will find in town a colt, a young donkey, tied up. It's never been ridden. And what's going to happen is somebody's going to say to you, where are you taking our colt? And you are to say to them, the Lord needs it, but he will bring it back shortly. Now let me ask you, how did Jesus, how did he know that there was a colt tied up in this village? Now when I was growing up, I guess we called that a one-horse town. But, you know, how did he know there was a colt tied up that had never been ridden? And how did he know that the owners would come out and say, where are you taking our colt? And how did he know what to tell the disciples so that the owners would let it go it is because he is the messiah the eternal the majestic the glorious son of god and and the timing of this the 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 timing every minute of this of this day was was timed out every detail was planned every move 
Every move was mapped out by the Lord himself. It was all according to his plan. And so Jesus then mounts the donkey. And by the way, isn't it interesting? He mounts a donkey that has never been ridden. Have you ever tried to ride a horse or a donkey that has never been ridden? My dad put me on one. <laughs> That's how I got my first broken collarbone. It is, it is the nature of, of that donkey to fight, to resist, to buck. It does not want somebody riding on him. Except for the fact that this is Jesus. Now I'm using my sanctified imagination here for a minute. But I, I wonder if Jesus doesn't walk up to the donkey and kind of whisper in his ear, It's me, your creator and your Lord. And with his gentle hand, this donkey... This one donkey that wants to be wild and to buck and to, to fight. This donkey is calm under the gentle hand of Jesus. And you know, by the way, you know, just as Jesus calmed the storm. Remember Jesus was in the boat and he calmed the storm on the sea. He calms the donkey and he rides into town. And as he's doing so, there's a large crowd of Galileans. And they've come with Jesus from Galilee. And he's coming into Jerusalem to the eastern gate. And as they come in, a large crowd of people from Judea who are in Jerusalem, they join in. And they all begin shouting together, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming of the kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. You know, this is an amazing scene. Think about what's happening here. You have all of creation praising the Lord. All of creation, it, creation has just come alive. You realize humanity is praising the Lord Jesus. But the donkey, the donkey also is praising the Lord by bringing Jesus in in a calm and in, in gentle manner. And think of the palm branches that are waving as Jesus is coming in. And even the rocks would have cried out. Remember, uh, Luke tells us in his gospel that the Pharisees came and told Jesus, you need to make these people be quiet. And Jesus said, well, if I make the people be quiet, even the rocks would cry out. Think about this. All of creation is praising Jesus. The mineral kingdom, the plant kingdom, the animal kingdom, and all of mankind. They are praising the Lord. All has come alive as Jesus comes into Jerusalem as the king. All of creation is declaring who he is. He is the messianic king. You know what this is going to do, by the way? This is going to force the hand of the religious leaders. They're going to have to make a decision. What are we going to do with Jesus? They're going to have to make a decision. Jesus is putting them into a corner and saying, you either must, you must either crown me as your king or crucify me as a criminal. You must either receive me to the throne or reject me to the cross. Jesus is now forcing the issue. And by the way, I, I would like for us to consider for a minute 
the significance of this in our own lives. Palm Sunday is a day when Jesus is pushing all of us into a corner. And he is saying to us, you need to make a decision about me. You need to either crown me as your king or reject me. You need to either receive me to the throne of your life or reject me. There's no other alternative. Jesus is pushing all of us into that corner. What are we going to do with him? And that brings us really to the second thing I want to look at this morning. Where Jesus reveals himself as the Savior King. You know, Jesus, he's riding into Jerusalem in a rather unconventional manner. He's riding in on a donkey. Which the prophet Zechariah prophesied 400 years earlier and we read this a minute ago but notice Jesus is fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah. Zechariah writes this, rejoice greatly O daughter of Zion shout daughter of Jerusalem see your king your king comes to you righteous and having what? Salvation. There it is salvation. Your king is coming with salvation. And he's gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This truly, this moment on Palm Sunday is the fulfillment of that age-old prophecy. But it's more than that. This unconventional way of entering into Jerusalem is very telling about the salvation that Jesus is bringing. You know, in Jesus' day during the Roman Empire... It was very common for a king to ride into a city and he would ride in on a large stallion or a horse, a large horse, a powerful looking horse and he would be surrounded by battle-hardened soldiers as they marched into town and the people would lift their voice in praise. Jesus deliberately departs from that script. He He does something much different, doesn't he? He doesn't ride in on a powerful horse. He rides in on a small donkey. A donkey that maybe a child might ride. And he isn't surrounded by battle-hardened soldiers. He's surrounded by these rather motley-looking disciples. Here is Jesus, the King of Kings, coming in such a humble manner. You know what he's doing? He's revealing something about the salvation that he's bringing. You see, Jesus, is, he's coming in triumph, all right. But his triumph is not a triumph over the Romans. It is a triumph over sin and death. His triumph will come not through force. It will come through humility. His triumph will not come through power. It will come by giving power. Not by killing, but by dying himself. His triumph will come as he humbly goes to a cross and dies for our sin. And this this unconventional coming, his entrance into Jerusalem, is telling us that salvation, the salvation that we need, comes to those who are humble. Humble enough to confess their sin and their need of a Savior Jesus Christ humble enough to confess that we cannot earn our way through good works we cannot work our way through deeds we do not we do not have the the moral and the ethical strength to earn our way into heaven 
The salvation that he brings comes to those who are humble. Humble enough to express that they need a savior. And Jesus is that savior. And he delivers, by the way. I mean, he brings the things that you and I need the most. Forgiveness of our sins. He delivers on that. Um, The cleansing of a guilty conscience. He delivers on that. A relationship with God. He delivers on that. He delivers on every level. The salvation that he brings is a salvation that comes to those who are humble. A number of years ago, there was a cruise ship that docked at a, a port and allowed the, you know, the, the people to go on shore and kind of see some of the local culture. That evening, as people came back to the boat and they, they were gathered around their tables to eat their meal in the evening, there was one table in particular where a lady began to share with others there at the dining room. She said that she had visited a Buddhist temple while she was in town. And she began to share that as she was walking through this Buddhist temple, if you've ever been to one, and I have, you'll see that there are all kinds of portraits, there are displays of Buddha. He's teaching, he's helping, he's meditating, he's doing all these good deeds. And the woman said, you know, when I looked at all these wonderful portraits and displays of the good things that Buddha did in his life, I couldn't help but to think that Buddha and Jesus are just very much identical. They're the same. Well, there happened to be a minister sitting there at the table. And he just, he couldn't help himself, all right? He says, my dear woman, he said, why don't you become a Buddhist? And she said, well, I'm from the West. You know, in the West, we believe in Jesus. But over here, they believe in Buddha. And it's all the same, isn't it? He said, my dear woman, in all those displays that you saw, did you ever see one of Buddha dying on a cross for your sins? She said, no. He said, did you see one where where Buddha rose from the grave, victorious over death? She said, well, no. He said, well, I would submit to you that there's actually very little, uh, little similarity between Buddha and Jesus. Because Buddha was a teacher. Jesus is a savior. Buddha was a man who's buried in a grave. Jesus is the risen Lord who is in heaven. There's much difference. Much difference. Jesus is our savior. He is our savior king, by the way. You know, sometimes... Sometimes people say, well, I want Jesus to be my Savior, but I sure don't need him telling me how to live my life. Well, listen, you can't separate the Saviorhood of Jesus from the Kinghood of Jesus. He's one. You cannot separate that. He, you either receive him as your Savior and your King, or you don't. Think of it this way. Let's suppose uh, you invite me into your home. You invite me to your home, all right? And I show up on a knock at the door, and you say, oh, well, Scott, you can come in, but Wooddale, you've got to stay out. Okay, that doesn't work, does it? You can't divide people like that. You invite Jesus into your life. You invite Jesus, the Savior, and you invite him as the king. He is both Savior and he is king. You can't split him up. So Palm Sunday, very strategic day for each one of us. First of all, he is... Our messianic king, he is the Lord, 
eternal, sovereign, divine Son of God. But he's also our Savior, our Savior King. But the third thing I want to look at, he is our coming King. You know, when Jesus came the first time, Sunday looked great, but by Friday, things turned the other direction. On Friday, they crucify him. They reject him, and they nail him to a cross. But he rises again on Easter. We'll talk about that next Sunday. Jesus is coming back. He is coming back, and he will reign as King of kings and Lord of lords on this earth. Now, let me, let me make sure we're all clear on the end time events, what's happening. The next event that's going to take place is what we call the rapture. When the Lord is going to call believers out of this world. We're going to be called up out of this world. And then we're going to be reunited with our loved ones who've gone on ahead of us. This will take place that fast. The twinkle of an eye, the snap of a finger. And we're gone. And those who are left behind will go into the tribulation. Seven years of tribulation. You know, one of the indications that we're getting close to the very end, and we're close, is the Bible says that as you get closer to the end, you're going to see some, some things that are taking place in the world that are clues. You're close. One is what the Bible calls uh, pestilence, or what we would call a pandemic. The Bible says when you start seeing things like this begin to build, you'll know you're getting close. The Bible says when you see wars and rumors of wars, you'll know you're getting close. And you know, we know we're close. Look at the, the technology today. Everything is in place. The, the players are in place. Uh, the stage is set. It's ready to go. Think of the technology right now. You know, the Bible says that during the tribulation, everybody's going to be required to get a mark on their, on their hand or their forehead. You know, today, they can put these little teeny computer chips just under your skin. And they can track and control everything that you do. Which is what the Antichrist will take, he will do when he takes control. There's something also going on in our world today we need, to be, we need to be aware of. Have you ever heard of something called cryptocurrency? Sure. What's going on? There is a move in our world today to take all the economies of the world and blend them into one economy called cryptocurrency. It's taking place. We're heading there. We are, what, what I'm saying is this. Jesus is coming back. And we're this close. We're this close. And we want to be ready when he comes. Um, one of the great Bible teachers of years ago was a, a man by the name of Harry Ironside. Uh, Harry Ironside, actually, he pastored the Moody Church for about 20 years. And he was, he was offered a faculty position at Dallas Seminary. But he turned it down because he felt you know, God had other plans for his life. But he often spoke at Dallas Seminary. And this is a little before my time, but he told the story of a time he was in San Francisco, I mean Sacramento, and in Sacramento he was preaching at a church. And it just so happened that one of the members of the church had invited a friend to come and hear him talk about end times and the Lord's return. 
And this was a man that uh, had, he had been working on and sharing Christ with for a number of, uh, quite, a, quite a while. Well, this man comes. He's a businessman, a local businessman. And he's Chinese and he's a Buddhist. But he comes to church because he's interested in end times. And so he sits through the service, through, the, through this preaching. And then at the end of the service, uh, at, the end of the, um, at the end of the sermon, they have a communion time. And then after communion, they have a little prayer time. And so a couple of the people pray. And suddenly this businessman, who's a Buddhist, he says, Can I pray? I'd like to pray, please. Well, that raised a few eyebrows. A Buddhist praying in a Christian church. And there was some concern that might, maybe that'll quench the spirit or something. But the man just started praying. He He said, Oh God, he said, for one whole year, I fight against you. And here today, I, I, hear, I hear preaching about how you love sinners like me. And I see people partake of the cup and the bread, telling me how Jesus died for me. He said, today I'm fighting no more. Today I give my life to Jesus. Well, let me say, that didn't quench the spirit at all, actually. But here's what happened next. The man says, I believe... I'm supposed to be baptized. And Dr. Ironside and the pastor of the church said, well, yes, you're, you're really supposed to be baptized. He said, well, I want to be baptized. And they said, well, we'll schedule you for next Sunday. And the man says, I don't want to wait till next Sunday. What if Jesus come between now and then? And they said, well, you know, and the businessman says, can you guarantee me that Jesus will not come back before next Sunday before I get baptized and they said well we can't really guarantee that to you and the man said well then I want to get baptized today I want to be baptized when Jesus comes back so they take him down to the river in Sacramento and they baptize the man but let me let me make sure we're all clear on something we're not saved because we're baptized but it is part of our Christian faith And the man simply wanted to be ready when Jesus came. That's our challenge. We want to be ready. What do I need to do to make sure that I'm ready when Jesus comes back? Because it could be today. It could be tomorrow. Jesus is our coming king. And it is up to us to be ready when he comes. So what do we know about this? This day. Here's what I want to sum it all up, you know. Here's our take-home truth. And this is a strategic moment. A strategic moment in history. A strategic moment in, in the redemptive plan of Christ. But also in our lives. Palm Sunday reveals Jesus, his royal status. All of creation is praising him. But it also reveals his rightful place on our throne. You know what? Until Jesus is really on the throne of your life. You're not ready when he comes back. You know, if you've never come to faith in Jesus Christ, you've never invited him into your life, you need to do that. That's what Palm Sunday is all about. It is welcoming him and praising him as your king and your savior, your Messiah, your coming savior. Would you do that today? Let's bow for a moment of prayer. Father, we're thankful for this wonderful day that we call Palm Sunday because it was on this day that Jesus 
comes riding into Jerusalem, making it clear who he is and why he has come. If there's someone here today, Father, who's never put their trust in Jesus, I pray that this would be that day. If you're here this morning and you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior King, talk to God about that right now. Just tell him, God, I want Jesus to be my Savior. And I want him to be my King. I want him on the throne of my life. Talk to him. Father, I pray that you will do a work in lives today only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. You can pray that prayer through this song, I Give You My Heart. Let's stand to sing, please. This is my desire to honor you, Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. I give you my soul I live for you alone Every breath that I take Every moment I'm awake Lord, have your way in me Lord, I give you my heart I give you my soul I live for you alone every breath that I take every moment I'm away Lord have your way in me Amen If you'd like to talk to someone about salvation or if you would like to pray with someone I'll be here our elders are here feel free to come up after the service also if you'd like to help stuff some Easter eggs for the children we're going to go right over to the fellowship center and begin doing that it shouldn't take too long really Um, (laughs) it shouldn't take too long so join us for just a little bit of fellowship and a good time of putting some candy together for these kids they'll love it for next Saturday Let's have a closing prayer. Father, thank you again for this wonderful, glorious day. This Palm Sunday, we celebrate Christ's triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem and the real meaning behind it, the salvation that Christ brings. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
May he lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Together, O sacred head, now wounded.